are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. Psalm 71, 17-20 Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous needs, even when I am old and gray. Do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation. Your mighty acts to all who are to come. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things, who is like you, God? Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Well, thank you, Grace and Coulter, for reading scripture for us this morning. Grace was, of course, supposed to be in California right now at college, but here she is back home in Minnesota, finishing out the semester via distance learning. And as for Coulter, Coulter was supposed to be finishing his senior year of high school, actually at high school, and playing for the lacrosse team and taking his girlfriend Izzy to prom but plans changed. And here I am in my living room on Easter Sunday morning. I was supposed to be at the Elk River Y for worship with you. Plans changed. One thing that hasn't changed maybe would be I am wearing my Easter outfit and I'm feeling very overdressed for my living room this morning. But I wanted to honor my mother who picked up this outfit for me for Easter Sunday. So Here I am, even if it means being all dressed up and nowhere to go. And I was thinking this morning, as I was thinking about where I'm supposed to be, I wonder where were you supposed to be today? We were supposed to have church at the Y, but then after that, I bet you had some plans. Maybe seeing family for a family dinner or going out to a restaurant or having a big Easter egg hunt with cousins, seeing your relatives. But plans changed. And we have been reminded in these days how quickly that can happen. And yet, as unusual as this Easter might seem, it is maybe not so unusual as we would think. Because what we're doing this morning, having church in this kind of way, is just the tiniest taste of what so many followers of Jesus have experienced in places where it is illegal to gather under the name of Christ. This is what they do you know, minus the video live stream, they meet in their homes. Today in places like Iraq or Syria or Egypt, 
there are people gathered who are right there in their living rooms, not just because of COVID-19, but because there is no other option. One Syrian believer put it this way. He said, our identity is in Christ and not about our gatherings. And how true that is this morning. And so today we remember how ordinary this really is for our persecuted brothers and sisters. But not only in our own time is this still the case, what you and I are experiencing today actually takes us back to the very first Easter Sunday in Jerusalem. Because what were the followers of Jesus doing that morning? Where were they gathered? What was the atmosphere like? Were they out in the yard searching for Easter eggs and Easter baskets and then piling in the car and heading to worship together? No, they were at home. Plans had changed. They thought that Jesus had come as king of Israel and they had welcomed him with palm branches and hosannas. But then by Friday, things had changed and Jesus had been crucified and killed on a cross. And so now they were huddled away in their homes. They were scared, afraid, worried that the same fate that had met Jesus might come after them as well. So our situation is not so unique after all. And today we take great comfort and we embolden our hope by the truth of God's word. So let's look together at this story of the first Easter Sunday. If you would meet me in Luke 24, have that open in front of you, Google it on your phone, pull up Luke 24, and we're in the first 12 verses. As the story begins, it's very early in the morning. In fact, it would have been so early it was still dark out. And it reminds me of uh, this time of year getting up really early for turkey hunting in the spring. Yeah, it's still dark out and you quietly get dressed and you gather your things together and sneak out of the house so you don't wake up the family. That's what it was like that first Easter Sunday morning as these women from the story got ready. They quietly gathered their things and they snuck out of the house to go to the tomb and anoint Jesus' body with spices, which was their custom in their culture. And those were things that had to be skipped when he was buried before the Sabbath started on Friday night. So now was their chance. Now, first thing on Sunday morning, and they went to the tomb with these spices for the dead, but plans changed, and the dead was not to be found. Instead, there was just a rolled away stone and a wide open grave and two angels who were dressed, it says, in clothes like lightning. At the sight of these angels, the women are on the ground, and these valuable spices hit the deck, and they're cowering in fear. But the angels bring good news, and they say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. And Jesus had told them that this is what would happen. This is what would happen, that he would be crucified and on the third day be raised again, but somehow they forgot or they didn't understand. And I read about them and I think, you know, I, I know what this feels like because I forget and I don't understand. I so often need to be reminded of the things that God has already said. And he is so gracious to us to do that, isn't he? I mean, he doesn't in the story just send the angels to tell them what's going on, but actually to remind them that this was in his plans all along. His plans didn't change. They just forgot. It says in the story, then they remembered his words. 
And I wonder, are you remembering his words in these days? Are you remembering what he said? When it seems like everything has changed and there are so many unknowns and questions that can't be answered and the fears that rise up within us, are you remembering his words? The things that he has said, the promises he has made, the assurances he has given, even when all of life seems to be upended. And I urge you to be running back to this book to remember what he has said because it changes everything for these women at the tomb on that first Easter morning. You see, they came for the dead, but they raced home with news of the living. Matthew's gospel says that they ran. They ran to tell the disciples. And I want you to just imagine the scene as these women are in their robes, running back down the trail toward the city. Can you imagine how they've gathered up their robes and their arms and their feet are just flying and their hearts are pounding and they're racing as fast as they could? I mean, I don't know what times they clocked that morning, but I bet it was about the fastest they'd run in their life. And they burst through the doors then and they find the disciples huddled away in the house. Maybe they're still sleeping. Maybe some had gotten up for an early breakfast and the women are so out of breath and so excited that they can't get the story out fast enough. But when they finally do, what is the response? Luke 24, 11, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. It says, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. One of the beautiful details of this story is that God chose women to be the first to hear the news of Easter. Just like he'd chosen shepherds to be the first to hear the news of Christmas. And if you spend time in God's word, you will see how God just delights in doing this in calling lowly people for noble purposes. And women in their culture were not considered credible witnesses. Legally, women could not even testify in a court. And it's like God says, okay, then that is exactly who I want to testify about the empty tomb. And the men, they say it's nonsense. That's what it says in the text. And I want to tell you about the word that they use. In Greek, that word for nonsense is the word leros, and it comes from the medical field and was used to describe delirium as caused by a high fever. The disciples then, we have to see what this means. They did not just disbelieve the women, but they disparaged them. And they said it was just useless chatter, complete and total nonsense. And they went back to their breakfast or back to their beds. They forgot. The disciples, they didn't remember what Jesus had said or they didn't understand and they were not about to be corrected by the incredible story of women at the tomb. I'm sure that there are some of you watching this morning who have always felt like this, you know, the stuff about Jesus is just a little too incredible to believe. Like, it's a nice story, but it's really just nonsense. You know, it's a crutch. It's people trying to make sense of life and find something to believe in. And if that's you, I just want to tell you this morning that, first of all, I'm glad that you're with us. You know, whether you just stumbled across this or you're checking it out or somebody else in your house wanted you to listen, 
I want you to know that the Y Church has always been a safe, no-pressure environment for people to just come along and kick the tires, to listen, to ask questions, to be welcomed in that, to share your doubts, and to learn about Jesus. And secondly, I want to invite you this morning to take it just one step further and do what we'll see Peter do in this story. You know, he hasn't believed it yet either, but he is willing to do one thing. And what we see him do is go and check this out for himself. And I want to invite you to do the same thing. Just consider what maybe up until now you have thought to be nonsense or impossible. And just see what happens when you take a step in that direction. That's what we see Peter do. Peter runs down the trail and heads right to the tomb. And then he's seeing the same thing the women saw when they arrived. The stones rolled away. Grave is wide open. He sees the strips of cloth laying there that were used to wrap the body. But there isn't a body. The tomb is empty. And look at the last half of verse 12. It says, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. These are days that you and I are living in right now with a whole lot of wondering. Wondering about what is happening. What is going on with the world? We've seen some hard times before, and the older you are, the longer that list will be. But anything like this? What is happening right now? I was putting a stamp on a letter at home this week, and it had a really cool picture on it. I am kind of a sucker for those special stamps, you know, the series that they put out at the post office, and they're behind the glass when you go up to order your book of stamps. And so so when I'm up there to, to order, and then they ask me, they're like, well, would you like flags or frogs? I'm always the guy who's going to pick the frogs or the house pets or the astronauts or whatever that special series is. And so these were the stamps that I had this week at home. Here they are, and they are astronauts. These stamps are from the first moon landing in 1969. And so this week I'm pulling one off and sticking it on a letter and it catches my eye and I'm thinking to myself, how can we send someone to space and walk on the moon? But we are powerless against something so small that we can't even see it. What is happening? What is happening in our world right now? The U.S. now has the highest number of coronavirus deaths in the world. Our economy has been crushed. Unemployment is at the highest rate since the Great Depression. And the finish line is not in sight. In just three weeks' time, 17 million Americans have needed to file for unemployment. And some of us who are watching or listening right now are among those who have lost jobs, been furloughed, received pay cuts, had to cut staff or close down business until we can reopen again. What is happening? And where is all this going? What's our perspective for this year? You know, not long ago, we started with 2020 vision, this new year and a new decade laid out before us. And now we're just trying to hang on. And left with a lot of questions and a lot of wondering. In my wondering, I have taken such encouragement from the Psalms lately. There is a lot of wondering that happens in the Psalms. This is this middle book of the Bible 
It's full of songs and poetry and, and really at the heart of it are just honest conversations with God. And I don't know up until now if I've ever been part of an Easter service that included studying a psalm, but this year it just seems so fitting. And Psalm 71 just seemed to capture it this morning. So let's look there together just for a couple minutes. There are different kinds of psalms, and Psalm 71 is called a psalm of lament. In other words, it's a psalm of sadness and heaviness of heart, a psalm of question asking and wondering. And so the psalmist cries out in verse 12, before we got to the part that we read, and he says, do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly, God, to help me. And I read that this week, and I thought, how many of us have said something like that in these days? God, please don't leave me alone. Come to my rescue. Please help me. The writer of Psalm 71, we see, is someone who has experienced exceptional trouble. And there is no sign that it will end anytime soon. And yet this is someone who, in the midst of disaster, can call to mind what counts more than anything else. And I love this line in my study this week, writing about the author of Psalm 71. One commentary said, listen to this, against his failing strength, he now sets a long reminder of God's faithfulness and a growing hope in his power. Against his failing strength, he now sets a long memory. And you and I are indeed living in a time of failing strength. And you must set a long memory against it. Jeremiah said in his book, Lamentations, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. And he's drawing a line in the sand against despair. And that's exactly what we see the psalmist do here. In the middle of trouble, he says in verse 17, he says, since my youth, God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation. And that right there is a purpose statement that will see you through any time. You want to know why you're alive? There it is. To declare the power of God to the next generation. That is what you were put on this earth to do. To live for this mission, not the American dream. Not to just be happy and make money and have a good family and live a nice life. Now God has certainly given us good things to enjoy on this earth. But we were made for so much more than what you can just have and hold on to. And the best things on this earth will disappoint if that's the basket where you put all your eggs. C.S. Lewis said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. We were made to be an Easter people who live and run with a message that goes beyond the grave who run from the empty tomb to tell people that he has risen, that he has conquered death, he has paid for our sins on the cross, and he will come again to vanquish evil once and for all. You know, pandemic, it is not in his vocabulary. It will have no place in the new heaven and the new earth that he comes to establish. 
And there will be no need for any hospital or any cemetery or any face mask. There will be no need for unemployment or tears shed for job loss. There will be no anxiety or disappointment or sorrow or pain. And when we remind ourselves of these things, it starts to sound familiar, doesn't it? And I forget it so easily. I forget so easily what he said as the troubles of today rise up like a tidal wave and they're coming for me. And I forget and I can't see and I don't remember that in Revelation 21.4, he had said he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. That's right, he said that. For the old order of things has passed away. And the psalmist can look forward because he knows to look backward and set a long memory against this present danger. He says in verse 19, Your righteousness, God, it reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things. And then he asks a question that you will find written all over the pages of Scripture. He says, Who is like you, God? Who is like you, God? It's a rhetorical question for the ages, and you'll find it all over the place. Moses said it in Exodus. David said it in 2 Samuel. Solomon said it in 1 Kings. Isaiah said it. Jeremiah said it. Micah's name literally means, who is like you, God? And Micah was the one who said, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives because he delights in unchanging love? Plans may have changed, but I want you to hear this morning that the most important thing certainly hasn't. He has defeated sin, and he delights in love for you. That's what carries the psalmist through. And he doesn't have to sugarcoat it. He's not mincing any words here. He says in our psalm in verse 20, Though you, God, have made me see troubles many and bitter. That's where I'm at right now. You will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. That is the power of the resurrection and the hope of Easter. One of the most influential voices in my training as a pastor belongs to a man who today, now, is spending Easter in a hospital because plans changed. And out of the blue, a month ago, he was diagnosed with cancer. And this week, he wrote from his hospital bed, and he said, I have always believed in the power of the message of Easter, but I believe it even more so now. And I wonder what you're believing these days. I wonder what you're wondering about. Ten days ago, my wife's brother was buried at the age of 43. And to say that plans changed, you know, that would be such an understatement. He was completely healthy, but his heart stopped beating. It wasn't a heart attack. He just died. And he left behind a young family. And I'll tell you what, kids burying their dad before they're even 10 years old, that's just not supposed to be that way. So Easter feels different this year. We're in this strange place of celebrating today and grieving at the same time. 
And we've had to set a long memory against the sorrow of death because I tell you, on its own, it would wipe us out. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. Plans change. But I want you to know this morning, his mercy does not. Easter feels different for all of us this year. But the answer to our greatest need, our biggest fears, and our deepest longings is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want you to hear this morning that whatever you are going through in these days, whatever you're feeling and wondering about and worried about, you are exactly where you're supposed to be today. In the palm of his hand, with an Easter message in your heart that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.